Ashley about reading Nora Roberts' book, Night Shift, Chapter 3. She had herself under control by the time they got to her. Above all, she felt foolish to have run to the police to him because of a phone call. Only phone call. Still assured herself as she paced to the window and back. After a week of them, she should have a better handle on it if she could tone down her reaction, convince the caller that what he said and how he said it left her unaffected, they would stop. Her father had taught her that that was the way to handle bullies. Then again, her mother's solution had been a bright jab straight to the jaw. While Scylla saw value on both viewpoints, she thought the passive approach was more workable under the circumstances. She'd done a lousy job of it. The last call, she admitted, sometime during his triad, she'd come uncomfortably close to hysteria, shouting back, pleading, meeting thrust with threats. <laughs> she could only be grateful that Deborah hadn't been home to hear it. Struggling for calm, she perched on the arm of a chair, her body roller straight, her mind scrambling. After the call, she had turned off the radio, locked the doors, pulled the drapes. Now in the glow of the lamplight, she sat listening for a sound. Any sound while she scanned the room, the wall she and Deborah had painted, the furniture they had picked out, argued about, familiar things, silly as thought, calming things. After only six months, there was already a scattering of knickknacks, something they hadn't allowed themselves before. This time, the house wasn't rented. The furniture wasn't leased. It was theirs. Perhaps that was why, though they never discussed it, they had begun to fill it with little things, useless things. The china cat. You curled in a permanent nap on the cluttered bookshelf. The foolish, expensive, glossy white bowl with its various blue means painted on the rim. The damper frog and a black tie and tails. They were making a home, so realized. For the first time since they had found themselves alone, they were making a home. She wouldn't let some vicious, faceless voice over the phone spoil that. What was she going to do? Because she was alone. She allowed herself a moment of despair and dropped her head back head into her hands. Should she fight back? But how could she fight someone she couldn't see and didn't understand? Should she pretend indifference? But how long could she keep up that kind of pretense, especially if he continued to invade her private hours as well as her public ones? And what would happen when he finally wired off talk and came to her in person? The brisk knock on the door had her jolting, had her pressing a hand between her breasts to hold in her sudden frantic heart. I'm your executioner. I'm going to make you suffer. I'm going to make you pay. So, as Boyd opened the door, she needed a moment more. <laughs> needed to cover her face with her hands and breathe deep. Sitting here now, she crossed the door and opened it. Hi. You made good time, she nodded to Athena. Detective Grayson still adjusted them inside, then leaned her back against the closed door. I feel stupid for calling you all the way out here. <laughs> Just part of the job, Athena told her. The woman was held together by... Very thin wire, she decided a few of them had already snapped. Would you mind if we all sat down? No, I'm sorry. Celia dragged a hand through her hair. She wasn't putting on a very good show. She thought she prided herself on putting on a good show. I could, uh, make some coffee. Don't worry about it. He sat on an oatmeal-colored couch and leaned back against sapphire blue pillows. Tell us what happened. I wrote it down. The underlining nerve showed in. Her movements as she walked to the phone to pick up a pad of paper. A radio habit, she said. The phone rings, then I start writing. She wasn't ready to admit that she didn't want to repeat the conversation out loud. Some of it's in O'Rourke, shorthand, but you should get the drift. <laughs> Took the pad from her and scanned words. 
guts tightened in a combination of fury and revulsion, outwardly calm, he handed the note to his partner. Celia couldn't sit. Instead, she stood in the center of the room, twisting her fingers together, dragging them apart again to tug at her baggy sweatshirt. He's pretty explicit about what he thinks of me and what he intends to do about it. <laughs> Is this your first call at home? Boyd asked. Yes, I don't know how. He got the number. I... We're not listed. Athena put the pad aside and took out her own. Who has your home phone number? The station. Cecilia reflects. Relaxed practically. This was something she could deal with. Simple questions, simple answers. It will be on file at the college. My lawyer, that's Carl Donley downtown. There are a couple guys that Deb sees. Josh Holden and Darren McKinney. Your girlfriends read through the brief list. That's about it. What I'm really concerned about is she spun around at the door, hooping behind her. Deb, relief, relief and annoyance. I thought you had evening classes. I, I did. She turned a pair of big, smoldering blue eyes on both and Athena. Are you the police, Deborah? <laughs> oh, Deborah. Celia said, "You know better than to cut classes. You have a test." Stop treating me like a child. She slapped the newspaper she was carrying in the silly's hand. Do you really expect me to go along like nothing's wrong? Damn it, Celia, you told me it was all under control. So she made the first page of Sex and B. Ah, Celia's so early. Late night radio princess under siege, trying to soothe the growing tension. Headache. She rubbed her fingers at a temple. It is under control. Stuff like this makes good copy. That's all. Not, nope, that's not all. I've called the police. She snapped back as she tossed the paper. What else do you want? There was a resemblance between the two. The boy noted objectively the shape of the mouth and eyes. While Celia was alluring and sexy enough to make the man's head turn to 360, her sister was hands down gorgeous. Young, he thought. Maybe 18. In a few years, she'd barely have to glance at a man to have him swallow his tongue. He also noted the contrast. Deborah's hair was short and fluffed. Celia's was long and untamed. The young sister wore a deep crimson shovel over tailored slacks that were tucked into glossy half boots. Celia's mismatched sweats bagged and hit on a variety of colors. The top was purple, the bottom's green. She chose some thick yellow socks and orange high tops. Their tastes might clash, she mused, but their temperaments seemed very much in tune. And when the Oruk sisters were in temper, it was quite a show. Tripton only slightly as the whispered near his Obviously, they've done this before, poor Grin. If they had popcorn and beer, he would have been content to sit through another ten rounds. There's your money on. Scylla! But the sister's a real up-and-comer, apparently wary of beating her head against a brick wall. Deborah turned. Okay! She poked a finger at boy. You tell me what's going on. Uh... Never mind. She zeroed in on Tina. You! Body back and smile Tina on her. Hmm, we're the investigating officers on your sister's case, Miss Rook. So there is a case! Ignored Sue's fierce look at Theta nodded again. Yes, with the station's cooperation, we have a trace on the studio line. Detective Fletcher and I have already interrogated a number of suspects who have priors for obscene or harassing phone calls. With the latest development, we we'll put a tap on your private line. Latest development! It only took to rumble. Oh, Stella, not here! He didn't call you here! Tipper forgotten. He threw her arms around his. I'm sorry! 
It's nothing for you to worry about when Deborah stiffened Soldier back. I mean it, Deb. It's nothing for either of us to worry about. We've got the pros to do the worrying. That's right, Athena Rose. To take the pleasure and I... Have over 15 years on the force between us. We intend to take good care of your sister. Is there a phone I can use to make some arrangements? In the kitchen, Deborah said before Scylla could comment. She wanted a private interview. I'll show you. She paused and spotted. Would you like some coffee, Detective? Thanks. You watched her. Well, man wouldn't as he walked from the room. Don't even think about it. Excuse me. But he grinned. It didn't take a detective to recognize him on the head. Your sister, Deborah, right? She's something. <laughs> You're too old for her. Ouch. Still picked up a cigarette, forced herself to settle on the arm of a chair. In any case, you and Detective Grayson seem very well suited to each other. They? Yeah, great again. Most of the time, he forgot his heart it wasn't one. Yeah. I'm one lucky guy. Still ground her teeth. She hated to think she could be intimidated by another woman. Athena Grayson was personable enough, professional enough. Celia could even handle the fact that she was stunning. It was just that she was so together. Boyd rose to take the unlit cigarette from her finger. He goes, in your dreams, slick. We'll get into my, we'll get into my dreams later. He lifted her chin up and finger. Oh no, I'm fine. She wanted to move, but she had the feeling he wouldn't give her room if she stood. And if she stood, it would be much too easy to drop her head or her shoulder and just cave in. She had responsibilities, obligations, and her pride. I don't want Deb mixed up in this. She's alone here at night while I'm at work. I can arrange to have a cruiser stationed outside. She nodded. Grateful. I hate it that somewhere along the line I've made a mistake that might put her in danger. She doesn't deserve it. Unable to resist, he spread his fingers to cup her cheek. Neither do you. It had been a long time since she'd been touched. Allowed herself to be touched, even that casually. She managed to shock. I haven't figured that out yet. She gave a little sigh, wishing she could close her eyes into her face into that strong giveaway. I've got to get ready to go to the station. Why don't you give that a pass tonight? And let him think he's got me running scared? She stood there. Not on a bet! Even Wonder Woman takes a night off. She shook her head. She'd been right about him, not giving her room. He's gate her escape routes were blocked by the chair on one side and his body on the other. Tension quivered through her. Pride kept her eyes level. He was waiting, damn him. And unless he was blind or stupid, he would see that his contact, this connection with him, left her frazzled. You're crowding me, Fletcher. Then in a... In another minute, just one more minute, he would have given in to an impulse and pulled her against him. He would have seen just how close to reality his fantasy was. I haven't begun to crowd you over. <clears throat> her eyes sharpened. I've had enough threats for one day, thanks. He wanted to strangle her for that. Slowly his eyes on her. It was some of his bodies. Nose her up, babe. Just a fact. Amber decided she'd eavesdrop long enough to clear her up. Coffee, Detective Fletcher? She passed him a steaming mug. See, said black. Two sugars. Thanks. I'm going to hang around, she said silently. There is Celia Tarvey with her. They should be here in an hour or so to hook up the phone. They should be here in an hour or so to hook up the phone. Then she put her hands on Celia's shoulder, kissed both of her cheeks. I haven't missed the class this semester, Simon. Simon, before we come in.
agree with the laugh that Burkitt said again. The woman's a slave driver. I don't know what you're talking about. So they moved aside together up her purse. You ought to catch up on your reading for U.S. social studies. Your political science could use a boost. Wouldn't hurt to bone up on your psychology 101. She pulled her coat from the closet. While you're at it, the kitchen floor needs scrubbing. I'm sure we have extra toothbrushes you could use on it. And I'd like another cord of wood chips. Wood chopped. Never lot. Go away! So your granddad, she reached for the doorknob. Her hand closed. Oh, the boys jumped back and forth. She can stop. So, what are you doing? There's gonna ride with you. He said, Deborah. He said, Deborah, a quick wink as he pulled Celia out the door. This is ridiculous. Celia said, he strode into the station. Which, I don't see why I have to have a cop in the studio with me night after night. Swooped off her coat as she walked. A bit like a bullfighter. Swirling a cap. Boy. <laughs> Swirling a cape, boy thought, still scrawling, she reached for the door of a small storage room. Then shrieked and stumbled back against Boyd as it swung over. Jeez, Billy, you scared the life out of me. Sorry, the maintenance man had grain hair, toothpick arms, and apologetic grin. I was out of window cleaner. He held up his spray bottle. It's okay, I'm a little jumpy. <sighs> I heard about it. He hooked the trigger of the bottle in his belt, then gathered up a mop and bucket. Don't worry, Scylla, I'm here till midnight. Thanks. Are you going to listen to the show tonight? You bet. He walked away, favoring his right leg in a slight limp. So he stepped inside the room and located a fresh bottle of stylus cleaner. <laughs> Taking a $5 bill out of her bag, she slipped it into a pile of cleaning rags. What was that for? He was in Vietnam, she said simply and closed the door again. Boy said nothing. Knowing she was annoyed, he caught her. He chalked it up to one more contradiction. To, pre to prep for her shift, she went into a small lounge to run over the daily log for her show. Adding and deleting as it suited her, the program director had stopped screaming about this particular habit months before. Another reason she referred to night shift was the leeway it gave her. This new group, she muttered. What? Boy helped himself to a sugar donut. This new group, the studs. She tapped her pencil against the table. One-shot deal. Hardly worth the airtime. And why play them? Got to give them a fair shake. Intent on her work, she took an absent bite of donut point out to her lips. In six months, nobody will remember their names. That's rock and roll. No. The Beatles, Buddy Holly, Chuck Berry, Springsteen, Elvis. That's rock and roll. He leaned back concerned. Ever listen to anything else? She grinned and licked the speck of sugar from her top of you mean there is something else? Have you always been one track? Yeah. She pulled a band of fabric out of her pocket with a couple of flicks of the wrist. She had her hair tied back. So what kind of music do you play? The Beatles, Buddy Holly, Chuck. <laughs> well, there's hope for you yet. Yeah. Mozart, Lane Hardy, Johnny, Joan Jett, Ellen Fitzgerald, B.B. King. You're proud. So, we're electric. We're open-minded. <laughs> she came back a moment. You're surprised, Fletcher. I guess I figured you for the loving and hurting, drinking and cheating type. And music appreciation of personality. Well, she glanced at the clock. It's showtime. While Bob Williams, who had the 6.010 slot, was just finishing up the show, he was short, potchy, and middle-aged with the voice of a 20-year-old stud. He gave Celia a bruise as she began to 
sorting through 45s and albums. Mm, the long-legged villagers walked in. He had a switch that had an echoing heartbeat pounding. You're ready out there in KHIP land. Your midnight star is rising. I'm leaving you with the blast from the past. He potted up. Honky-tonk woman swung out of his chair and stretched his rubbery legs. Hey, honey, yeah, you go? Sure. She set her first cut on the turntable and adjusted the needle. I got the paper. No big deal, Bob. Hey, we're family around here. Your caper shoulder quickly. We're behind you. Thanks. You're the cop. Yes, boy. That, that's right. Get this guy soon. He'll get all. He'll get us all shaken. He gave silly no squeak. Let me know if you need anything. I will. Thanks. She didn't want to think about it. Couldn't afford to think about it. With 30 seconds to air, taking her seat, she adjusted the mic, took a series of long deep breaths, ran a one, two, three voice check, then opened her mic. <laughs> All right, Denver, this is Scylla Arook coming to you on number one KHIP. You got me for 10 till 2 in the morning. We're going to start off giving away $190. We've got the mystery record coming up. If you can give me the title, the artist, and the year, you've got yourself a fistful of cash. That number is 555-5447. Stand by, because we're going to rock. The music blasted out, pleasing her. She was in control again. <laughs> oh, John, boy, said from behind her. Honky cat. 1972. Turned in her chair to face him. He was looking damn pleased with himself, she thought. Then half grin on his face, his hands in his pocket. It was a shame he's so attractive. A bloody crying shame. Well, well, you surprised me, Slick. Remind me to put you down for a free t-shirt. I'd rather have a dinner. <laughs> I'd rather have a Porsche, but there you go. Hey, she said when he took her hand. He'd been biting nails. He's him the thumb over her knuckles. Watch your eyes change. Another bad habit. I've got lots more. Good. Instead of sitting back in the corner, she was a chair beside her. I didn't have time to get a book. He explained. Why don't I watch your work? Why don't you? She swore then punched a button on the phone. It nearly made her miss a cue. KH. KHIP, can you name the mystery record? It took five calls before she had a winner trying to ignore a boy. She put another cut while she took the winner's name and address. As if she didn't have enough on her mind, she thought, how was she supposed to concentrate on her show when he was all but sitting on top of her? Close enough, she realized that she could smell him. No cologne, just soap. Something that brought the mountains to mind one moment in quiet, intimate nights the next. She wasn't interested in either. She reminded herself all she wanted was to get through this crisis and get her life back on an even keel. Attractive men came and went, she knew. But success stayed as long as you were willing to sweat for it. She shifted, stretched out to select a new record. Their thighs brushed. His were long and as hard as rock. Determined not to jolt, she turned her head to look into his eyes. Inches apart, challenge meeting challenge. She watched as his gaze dipped down to linger on her mouth. And it lifted again. Desire flickered. Music pulsed in her ears from the headphones. The stubborn... War so that she wouldn't have to speak to him. They were singing of hot nights and grinding needs. Very carefully, she moved away. 
When she spoke into the mic again, her voice was even huskier. He rose. He decided it was his only defense. He'd meant to annoy her, to distract her from the inevitable phone call that would come behind before the night was over. He wanted her mind off it, and on him, he wouldn't deny that he wanted her to think of him, but he hadn't known that when he succeeded, she would tie him up in knots. She smelled like midnight, secret and sinful. She sounded like sex, hot and abiding. Then he looked into her eyes really looked it's all simple innocence the man that com the man that combination wouldn't drive mad either had never been born or was already dead a little distance boy told himself as he moved quick, quietly out of the studio a lot of objectivity it wouldn't do either one of them any good to allow his emotions to get so tangled up with the woman he was supposed to protect when she was alone Celia made a conscious effort to relax muscle by muscle it was just because she was already on edge it was a comfort to believe that her reaction to boyd was merely an echo of the tension she lived with for more than a week and he was trying to goad her she blew the hair out of her eyes and gave her listeners a treat two hits in a row and herself another moment's calm she hadn't figured him out yet he read steinbeck and recognized elton john talked slow and lazy and thought fast who were scarred boots and $300 jackets. What did it matter? She asked herself as she set up for the next 20 minutes of her show. She wasn't interested in men, and he was definitely a man. Strike one, she would never consider getting involved with a cop. Strike two, and anyone who had eyes could see that he had a close, even intimate relationship with his knockout partner. She'd never been one to poach on someone else's property. Three strikes and he's out. She closed her eyes and let the music pour through her. It helped, as it always did, to calm her or lift her up or simply remind her how lucky she was. She wasn't sharp and studious like Deborah. She wasn't dedicated as their parents had been. She had little more than the education required by law. Yes, she was here, just where she wanted to be, doing just what she wanted to do. Life had taught her one vital lesson. Nothing lasted forever. Good times or bad, they passed. This nightmare, however horrid it was at this point in time, would be over eventually. She only had to get through it one day at a time. That was Joan Jett waking you up as we head to toward 11.30. We've got a news brief coming up for you, then a double shot of Steve, Steve Winwood and Phil Collins to take us into the next half hour. This is KHIP, and the news is brought to you by Woodward Records. She punched in the pre-recorded cassette, then scanned the printout of the ads and promos she would read. By the time Boyd came back, she was into the next block of music and standing up to stretch her muscles. He stopped where he was, trying not to groan as she shifted her arms to the ceiling and rotated her hips and times the music. He was sure that she bit from the waist, grabbed her ankles, and slowly bent and straightened her knees. It seemed a routine before. It was something she did once or twice during her four-hour stint, but she thought she was alone now, and she put a little more rhythm into it. Watching her, he realized that the ten-minute break he'd taken hadn't been nearly long enough. She sat again, pattering a bit to the audience. Her headphones were around her neck now as she turned the music up for her own pleasure. As it pulsated, she swayed. When he put a hand on her shoulder, she pulled it out of the chair. Easy, O'Rourke, I brought you some tea. Her heart was like a triple stripped <laughs> hammer in her chest. As it so she lowered to the table. What? Tea. <laughs> I brought you some tea. You drink too much coffee. This is herbal.
jasmine or something. She crumpled enough to look at the cup in his face. I don't drink flowers. Now try it. You might not hit the ceiling the next time someone touches you. You sip the soft drink out of the bottle. I'd better have that. He took another sip along one and passed the bottle. You're almost halfway there. <laughs> like boy, she looked at the clock. It was nearly midnight. This had once been her favorite leg of the show. Now as she watched the second hand tick away, her palms began to sweat. <sighs> Maybe you'll call tonight since you got me at home. He said I'm beside her again. Maybe. But you don't think so. I think we take it a step at a time. He put Susan's hand at the back of her neck. I want you to try to keep calm. Keep him on the line longer. Ask questions no matter what he says. Just keep asking them. Over and over. You may just answer one and give us something. She nodded then. Worked away to the next ten minutes. There's a question I want to ask you. She said to me. All right. She didn't look at him. but drained the last one with a cold drink to ease her eyes. How long will they let me have a babysitter? You don't have to worry about it. Let's just say I know something about how police departments work. It was there in her voice again. That touch of bitterness and regret. A few nasty calls doesn't warrant a hell of a lot of attention. Your life's been threatened, he said. It helps that you're a celebrity and that there's already been some press on it. I'll be around for a while. Mixed blessing, she muttered and opened the request line. The call came as she had known it would, but quickly this time, one call number one call number five, she recognized the voice, battled back the urge to scream, switched the music, without realizing it, she got the voice in. You're persistent, aren't you? I want you dead. I'm almost ready now. Do I know you? I like to think I know everyone who wants to kill me. She went a little with the names she spewed at her and tried to concentrate on the steady pressure of boy's fingers at the base of her neck. Wow, I really got you ticked off. You know, buddy, if you don't like the show, you just gotta turn it off. Yes, seduced him. There was the sound of weeping now, filled with fear. Yes, seduced him, tempted him, promised him, and he murdered him. She was more shocked by this than any of the other. Got her names, he had called him. Who? I don't know what you're talking about. Please, who? The line went dead. As she sat there, dazed and silent, boy, it snatched up the phone. And he looked. Damn it! He stuffed his hands in his pockets, began pacing. Another ten seconds. We'd have had him in another ten seconds. He has to know we've got it tapped. His head snapped around when Nick Peters entered his hands full of sloshy coffee. What? I, 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 his eyes had a full bomb that he followed. Mark said it was okay if I stayed through the show. So we can ask that silly mom want some coffee. Point jerked the dump toward the table. We'll let you know. Can you help her get through the rest of the show? I don't need help, so his voice was ice calm. I'm fine. Nick, don't worry about it. She put a steady hand on the mic. That was for Chuck from Laura. With all her love. She aimed a steady look at Boyd before she punched the phone in. K-H-I-P, you're on the air. She got through it. That was all that mattered. She wasn't going to fall apart the way she had the other night. Celia was grateful for that. All she needed to do was think it all through. She hadn't objected when Boyd took the wheel of her car, relinquished the right to drive was the least of her worries. I'm coming in, Boyd said after he parked the car. She just shrugged and started for the door. Very deliberately, she hung up her coat and pried off her shoes. She sat, still without speaking. 
and lit a cigarette. The marked cruiser outside had relieved her mind. Deborah was safe from the sick. Look, she ran what she marshaled her thoughts. There really isn't any use going into this. I think I have it figured out. Do you? He didn't sit down. <laughs> Rusty Cone disturbed them much more than hysterics or anger would have. Go mean. It's obvious he's made a mistake. He has me mixed up with someone else. I just have to convince him. <laughs> you just have to convince him. And how do you intend to do that? The next time he calls, I'll make him listen. She crossed an arm across her body, began to rub at the children's shoulder. For God's sake, Fletcher, I have murdered anyone. So you tell him that and he'll be perfectly reasonable and apologize for bothering you? Her careful poop calm was ranting. I'll make him understand. You're trying to make yourself believe he's rational, so he's not. What am I supposed to do? She demanded, snapping the cigarette into it. She crushed it out. Whether he's rational or not, I have to make him see he's made a mistake. I've never killed anyone. Their laugh was strained as she pulled the band from her hair. I've never seduced anyone. Give me a break. An anger brought her out of here. What do you... What do you see me at? Some kind of black widow who goes around luring men and knocking them off when I'm finished? Get the picture, Flicker? Flexure? I'm a voice. A damn good one. That's where it ends. You're a great deal more than a voice, Celia. We both know that. He paused, wait for her to look at me. And so does he. Something dribbled inside her. Part fear, part mommy. She wanted another. Whatever I am, I'm no temptress. It's an act, a show that has nothing to do with reality. My ex-husband would be the first to tell you I don't even have a sex drive. Is actually. You never mentioned you've been married. She hadn't intended to. Ah. Celia's daughter. She really cold hands her hair. It was a million years ago. What does it matter? Everything applies. I want his name and address. I don't know his address. Why didn't he? We didn't even last a year. I was 20 years old, for God's sake. She began to rub her phone. His name's Celia. Paul, Paul Lomax. I haven't seen him for about eight years since he divorced me. She spun to the window and back again. The point is, this guy's on the wrong frequency. He's got it into his head. I, what? Use my wiles on some guy and that doesn't watch. Apparently he thinks it does. Well, he thinks wrong. I couldn't even keep one man happy, so it's a joke to think I could seduce legions. That's a stupid remark even for you. Don't you think I'd like admitting that I... That I'm all show, that I'm lousy in bed. She bit off the words as she paced. The last man I went out with told me I had ice water for blood, but I didn't kill him. She calmed a little, amused in spite of herself. I thought about it though. I think it's time you start to think, take this old business seriously, and I think it's time you start talking yourself, taking yourself seriously. I take myself very seriously, professionally. He agreed. You know exactly what to do and how to do it personally. You're the first woman I've met who was so willing to concede she couldn't make a man dance to her tune. I'm a realist. I think you're a coward. Shut up. Go to hell. He wasn't about to back off. He had a point to prove to both of them. I think you're afraid to get close to a man, afraid to find out just what's inside. Maybe you find out is something you can't control. I don't need this from you. You just get this man off my back. She started to storm past him. It was brought up short when he grabbed her what do you say to an experiment? An experiment. Why don't you give it a try with me? You should be safe since you can barely stand the sight of me. A test. It took one off. You're on a low risk. 
it could feel the anger vibrating through her as he held her. Good. For reasons he couldn't have to be in the name, he was just as angry. Five to one. I don't feel a thing. He drew her into it. Want to prove me wrong? 